Peace, and welcome to the Tailored Healing Collective Podcast. This is a space for, but never limited to, people of color. We're discussing sacred plant medicine, pregnancy, parenthood, and more. You know, there's such a stigma on who can open the floor for conversation on these topics that are viewed as taboo or even inappropriate. This fact alone has made so many become fearful of the very thing that could help us rebuild families, create our own businesses, and most importantly, trust our role in this world as future ancestors. So wherever you are, take a cleansing breath and do your best to listen with an open mind, heart, and spirit, and let love lead the way. I'm your host, Taylor. All right, welcome to another episode of the Taylor Healing Collective Podcast. Tonight, I am here with Farah, The Frequency. She is someone who I've gotten to know over the past couple of years via social media, And she is a beautiful soul who is also a fellow sound bath facilitator. She has many other talents, but I will let her go ahead and introduce herself. So, Farah. Hello, hello. Like you said, my name is Farah, also known as Farah the Frequency. And my, what do I do? What are my talents? Uh, First, um, I'm a human being, right? (laughs) An artist. Um, I consider myself an energy healing artist, Um, so just being in the realm of the healing arts, um, massage, yoga, Reiki, sound healing, shamanic journeys, plant medicine, um, and also my first love being music as well, so um, I call myself a sound healing songstress, Um, so combining my love for sound healing, for music, and or using my voice to, you know, express myself and just share who I am with the world. So, yeah. Beautiful. So when did you realize that sound was a catalyst for transformation for you? Mm. I would say it's, I've always known. It's just kind of like growing up and loving the songs on the radio and I still remember the first time I got, you know, my first CDs and my boom box, which I literally have them to this day. Like they're like my like things I'm going to pass down to my kids or like yeah. it's a boom box. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I feel like music has always been something that I loved, always loved to sing. And um, but I would say it really I really was became aware that this was something that was healing for me. Um, once I reached high school and I did choral music um, and we performed, uh, you know, in different cities and did competitions and we had to audition to be in, you know, this advanced group and um, just the level of love and friendship and just joy that I got from, you know, being in that space of music and um, was really healing for me, especially, you know, teenage angst and like all the things that are going on in my personal life and in my family life at the time. And um, I feel like going to school and having going to chorus was like my escape. So that was the first time I really realized that music was like really healing for me. Um, but it, I've always been singing and dancing since I was born. So It's amazing to know what music and just sound in general can do for us. You know, sound is the vibration of the planet that we're on right now. It's how we came into being. So to be able to combine that and then to share that with the world must be a pretty great feeling for you. Yeah, it's 
it's uh, honestly one of the most challenging initiations that I feel like I've had to constantly face myself the most has been through my journey with sound, whether it be when I was in school and I had a solo and I had to get on stage and, you know, freezing or, you know, and having to like figure out what it feels like to like be courageous and be seen or, um, you know, the times where I'm, you know, being yelled at by my teacher, you know, about hitting the notes and then like feeling what it feels like to be like in a, a team and like people needing you to like hold that frequency. And um, also now where I am now with, you know, my travels and how I've gone deeper with sound specifically in the realm of meditation, in the realm of healing and how that just made me have to face myself even more. All my shadows, like sound always, it's the one thing that I'm like, oh, okay, I deal with this and I got to sing through it and it just is so uncomfortable, so. Yeah, that that activated throat center, it will really do something for you because when it's ready to come out, there's really no way to suppress it. Exactly. And it's just so, um, (laughs) it's, it's intense, to say the least. So you spoke a little bit about initiation. So I'm sure there have been many that you have gone through in your life, but what are some of your most memorable initiations you've had throughout life? And it doesn't just have to be with sacred medicine, but anything in your life that kind of felt like a process of death and rebirth for you? Good question. Give me a second to think about that. (laughs) Take your time. I know that can be a difficult one. (laughs) Yeah, I would say a big initiation for me. I'm trying to think because I'm like, there's so many that happened recently, but like, I'm like trying to challenge myself to go really far back and think about when I wasn't aware that it was initiation, when was I having initiation? I would say, I'll just use a a more current one because that's what's in my mind now. when I recently went to Mexico, like literally in July, at the end of June, July, I was with um, my mentor and I a, was a part of a mastermind group where it was focused on, you know, um, building our soulful businesses and, you know, working through our, the inner work it takes to put yourself out there as an entrepreneur. And we had our retreat in Mexico and the journey to get there was one of the worst travel experiences. I have ever had. It was such a difficult experience. And the moment that I realized how hard it was, it was just like thing after thing just popping up and it's like no control, like where the flights are just getting delayed, delayed, delayed. And I'm like exhausted at this point, I'm kind of delirious. And um, as soon as I landed on, you know, that the land, I was like, oh, this is an initiation like this part of the earth these ancestors are like you gonna work you gonna work to be here because you bought you 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 about to be going through some deep stuff and we're gonna take you through a lot to get here and so that was like a more a recent initiation and even while i was there as well too we journeyed through um one of the largest underwater rivers in the world like just casually, they were like, oh, by the way, we're about to do this. And it symbolizes the underworld for, you know, the, Ma- the Mayan shamans. So like mm-hmm. it just felt, it was just, 
I have stories for days, but that was the most recent, like, initiation. Like, just getting to that specific land, that Mayan land, was so hard. And then on top of that, the experiences that I had in that container, all of it, it was so difficult. It was very difficult. And I was like, okay, this is definitely initiation. And once I acknowledged that, um, I allowed myself to surrender. And not to say it got better, but... I, I, the flow. I let the, I let it happen. <laughs> yeah. These initiations okay. seem to be portals a little bit, like going through, mm-hmm. through these different dimensions almost where we start to experience different things. And it's like, you're, you're here in one body in one minute, and then your challenge was something almost to bring you through. And I was talking to someone on another episode and the common phrase, how deep the rabbit hole goes. But, you know, when you think about being pulled into these, it must feel, I want to say it probably just feels like you're transforming into a new person every time, right? Absolutely. Um, It's literally that energy of death and rebirth, death and rebirth. And personally, my and my astrological chart, which I've like over the years uh, study on my own, but I've started to like attract people who are like pros and they're like, oh girl, like you're just full of 12th house energy. You're just full of Pluto and full of Scorpio. And I'm like, no wonder. And <laughs> oh, my Pluto's in Scorpio. Yeah, I think that's our like generation is like, yeah. we're just like in the transformations and um, I have a like three or four planets in the 12th house too of like Pluto energy. So I feel like I'm constantly going through transformations and it, it, it kind of helped me understand myself more. Cause I'm, I've always been known to change my hair like constantly. And I'm like, Oh, no wonder, because I'm, this is, this is me coping with all of the constant death and rebirth, death and rebirth, death and rebirth. Um, but the more, I feel like the more this is more of an acceptance thing. You know, the more you accept that this is just how it actually feels. Um, not to say it gets easier, but we develop better tools, more aligned tools to help us move through it. I definitely feel that because, yeah, we, we do come from the Pluto and Scorpio generation. And then my Pluto is also in the 12th house. So transformation, death and rebirth almost feels like just breathing to me sometimes. It's not fun. But it definitely feels very normal, more normal than it does to a lot of other people. So I think that kind of comes with also taking on that healer energy, that shaman energy too, um, to be able to process and go through that because there are many people who have a really difficult time with that. So I honor you for being that person for other people and especially through the Reiki work that you do. So can we talk a little bit about that? Yes, Reiki is like, Reiki was like my first love. That was my first um, practice that I really, that really helped me ground after having my initial spiritual awakening, right? That initial like consciousness shift where you realize like, oh shit, the government's been lying to us and what's happening and, you know, you're trying to figure out who you are and all those things. And Reiki was that first practice that I invested in learning about. Um, and it's funny because that was like probably like six or seven years ago. And I remember distinctly 
you know, having that inner dialogue with myself of like, I will, I'm not teaching. Like, this is for me. <laughs> I am nobody's guru. I'm no one's master. Like, I was just like very resistant. I knew I wanted to study um, as far as I could go. I think that's also the Pluto in us where it's like, I'm going to go. I mean, we're going to go down the rabbit hole. I'm going to go all the way down. Like, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> and, um, yeah, my initially, it was just really for me, I was at a space where um, I was learning that my sensitivities, you know, as a highly sensitive person at the time, like, empath was like, kind of still a taboo word. Now it's kind of like, I'm empath. It's kind of just like saying, like, I have curly hair, like, everybody's empath, like, you know, but um, it was at that time where I was coming into accepting my sensitivities and Reiki was that anchor for me. And it made me feel like I was crazy and not alone for feeling everything so deeply and, you know, not feeling as overwhelmed. And um, five years later, you know, we're moving through the pandemic and I'm working with a business mentor and I'm wanting to start a business and um, I put out a, a mentorship and, you know, that was really beautiful. And then, you know, I, it was time to put out the second round and people were like, don't you teach Reiki? And I was like, oh. <laughs> yeah, technically I only taught one person and I was just working as a practitioner, but I had the training to teach other people and I had a manual and everything, but I just, like my mentor says, like I followed the energy, you know, that was spirit was like, it is time to teach. Like I didn't choose it. It was just like, People were like, oh, I want to learn right here. I want to learn. And then all of a sudden, like, that was the catalyst that, like, led to my business, like, expanding and just this, like, crazy amount of abundance that just came in. And when I reflect back on it, um, Reiki really, Reiki and that specific lineage was the portal that opened up the next initiation into this shamanic work, into plant medicine into my travels to Peru and all of these things. And so, um, you know, Reiki always has a special place in my heart. At this moment now, I don't feel called to teach. I've kind of closed that chapter again. I've kind of gone back and forth, and now it, it feels like it's supposed to be closed again right now. Um, but it'll always be something that I practice, that I share, that, you know, I mean, you're Reiki attuned as well, too. Like, once it's, once it's, like, turned on, it's like you can't not be – it's an embodiment. It's a way of life. And so um, I'm just so grateful for um, Reiki, for the Sui lineage, for the Japanese lineage, um, for coming into my life. And actually, I don't think I've ever shared this publicly, but I'll share this. When I was my second time being in Peru, I actually did a Wachuma um, cactus ceremony hike. And the second time I did it, I actually had a past life regression where I was a Japanese man and it came from one of, um, of the brothers who was in there facilitating and doing the photography. He did a Japanese prayer, <laughs> and it, it instantly took me to that past life where I was like a Japanese man, and I was climbing a mountain, and I was like with like my Reiki people, and we were like climbing this mountain, and it instantly took me there, and I was like, wow. And that just confirmed for me that, yes, you were – welcome back to the practice in this lifetime, but manifest it as a melanated woman. <laughs> what does it feel like to be in another body for, I, I haven't had a past life progression session, but I have heard and read about them a lot. What does that feel like? 
it is deeply intense. And I've never had a past life session. It's always the, the, the two times that I've had past life experiences where it's like a flashback almost um, was when I was on the same land in Peru doing this with Juma hike. It's that it's the same spot every time. And it instantly um, takes me there. That first time I did that, I had that experience. I had three past life regressions or experiences. And then the second time I had, I had two. And one of them was the same one as last time. Like it was like, I went back again. And so the experience, like the feeling, and it's so crazy because I didn't have any reference. I heard, like you, same as you, like I had never done in a session. I had never, um, never even heard about anyone who, like what their experience was. So I had no reference. Um, I just heard about it and I knew it was a thing. But as soon as it happened, I knew that's what it was because I, I, I can't, I can't, expl I'm trying to see the words. It's just a knowing. And I, I feel like the reason why I knew that is because I already had a relationship with channeling and knowing like when I am receiving something that is like from, you know, a spirit guide or from I'm doing a reading for a client or a student and I'm their their guides are coming in. Like I know what that feels like, that separation. So I guess that kind of helped me realize like, oh no, this is me, but like I'm in something else but like my consciousness is there but like in a it's just like a a vasto raven moment it's like a yeah. <laughs> that's I think the best way i can describe it we grew up with that for a reason i'm convinced oh absolutely it was <laughs> huge i feel like it was a huge part of our our journeys to kind of like reawaken that that's why i love raven so much i have so much love for her because she took on that role to play that. And that was like taboo, like just a black psychic girl, like living in yeah. San Francisco. She's like a fashionista, she's regular. She's not, she goes, you know, like she's a shaman and you know, like, you know, this <laughs> traditional thing. She's just like a regular girl like us. And then all of a sudden she's like, you know? <laughs> it's, it's crazy to think about that. Cause I never thought about it like that growing up, but now, you know, stepping into a healing path and that being so popular and trendy now like we had it before it was like a thing again it was always a thing but before it became what it is now and new ageism all stepped in like we had a teenage a black teenage psychic it was awesome absolutely so let's talk a little bit about Peru um and I have seen a bit about your travels before but I'd like to know what your relationship is with sacred medicine that's a where could I start with sacred medicine I guess I'll start with my first experience with sacred medicine and um actually my travels to Peru actually helped me build a deeper relationship with with Santa Maria Mary Jane cannabis so that I would say was my first encounter and that was when I was 19 um, so I feel like I was like a little, I was a little late to the game. I feel like, you know, I have know so many people who are like, oh, I started smoking, I was like 13. I'm like, well, like, <laughs> I didn't even know what it was. Like, I wasn't okay. ready till I was 18. Don't feel bad. Okay, good. But yeah, <laughs> my first time being introduced to this medicine was actually very beautiful. It was, <laughs> it was, you know, me being 19, everyone came back from winter break and we got together and, um, 
we smoked and it was hilarious. It was fun. I was laughing the whole time. We were giggly. It was like, oh my God, like, this is wonderful. Like, and then we went to cook out and I got a big double burger and it was the best burger I ever had in my life. Like, so my first experience with this beautiful medicine, um, I feel like it opened up my heart. I really, I feel like it just like, and it was just so much joy and so much laughter and just a lot of love with friends. And it was a really beautiful experience. It was a lot of up and downs and like weird moments, but it was overall my first time experiencing sacred medicine was fun. <laughs> it was amazing. Um, and then of course, from that with cannabis, um, I've, you know, had my different experiences. And um, the first time I really like dove into it and was like, you know, became like a pothead, I guess, for lack of better terms, I was dating a Rastafarian. And so that was like my culture, you know? So um, that was actually, that was the catalyst to my spiritual awakening. So like cannabis is deeply connected to not only having that heart open experience when I was 19, but a few years later when I really started to partake like constantly on the daily, that was a part of my spiritual awakening where I started to question things and it just opened up my mind and my consciousness and um, my senses. I was like, wow, like I didn't know food tasted like this. I didn't know music. Oh, wow, music, you know, it just, I feel like it, I, I, it woke me up. So um, that was my, my initiation into um, plant medicine. And then as far as going deeper from that, it was um, psilocybin magic mushrooms. And the first time I did that, I was actually, I went to an Erica Body concert, no lie. And I met her and it was the first, like, it was one of the first times too, where I experienced like being able to like, like telepathy with other people and just like really magical experiences and like tapping into my like psychic abilities. Like the mushrooms did that and they combined that with music and like, you know, Erica by doing this like cultural like icon for like, you know, us awakening and she's mm -hmm. been on this incense and head wraps and veganism, you know, she's been on it. And so yeah. like, you know, she's like an elder. And so I got to psilocybin was a part of that initiation of <laughs> meeting and connecting with that energy. Um, so that was really beautiful. And, um, yeah, I'm not sure if LSD or acid. I don't think that's, well, is that considered? I want to hear your opinion. Is that, you, would you consider that? Because it's like synthetic. Uh, I think if we think <laughs> about the component of where it comes from, like DMT, for example, you know, being the main component in ayahuasca. Yes. Yeah. Now, as someone who has taken it, I will say I, I do think there's a difference. I think you can still have mystical yeah. experiences regardless, but if I had the option of always honoring it in the most natural way possible, I would always choose that first. Absolutely. I, I agree. Um, so yeah, I would say that that kind of initiated me into a deeper experience. And I feel like also too, I think it depends on the person. And at that point in my life, when I had experienced um, LSD or acid for the first time, I was already on my spiritual awakening and I already understood intention. So the experience was also another beautiful thing where I was like outside singing with the earth and like healing deep traumas. And, but I'm with a group of people and I'm like doing my own thing. Um, and then, you know, years later, um, I was always like 
kind of dibbling and dabbling with psilocybin, like just like microdosing here and there, um, not necessarily doing like a hero's journey or anything like that. I don't think I've ever actually had that experience now that I think about it. Not yeah. that not an experience, um, I would say more intense uh, medicines that take me on a deeper journey. I don't think I've actually had a deep journey with psilocybin. Now that like I've had those things and reflected, I'm like, oh, I don't actually think I've gone went that deep. I went the depth that I needed, but I don't think I've actually, you know, like went all the way with that medicine. I think that's dependent on the person too with reaction, and it could just be me mm-hmm. because I have I I have not I've taken a full dose, but I have not taken a heroic dose before. Okay, yeah, I've and, taken a full dose too. So yeah. But um, I don't know, maybe it's the Pluto and Scorpio thing. Maybe it's the 12th house thing. But I just feel like sometimes, and I don't mean this in an arrogant way at all, that I've had such deep thoughts about the universe, the multiverse, all of these things where even if I did experience it, I think it would just be more on a visual level, even though I already know like, yes, realities exist within one another and we're all here mm-hmm. and there's the void and there's nothing. And then there's everything. Like I, I think about these things on the daily anyway. So right. I, I don't feel like it would be a huge difference other than visually being there and then probably getting like the chemical reaction of it. But yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that you said that because I feel like it's the same for me where I like constantly think about that where I'm like, I don't feel like I actually, yeah, I go there every day. So it's like, you know, like, it would have to be very, very intentional. <laughs> yeah. And that's something I want people to know too. Um, and you can definitely weigh in your opinion. I would love if you did. I, well, I love sacred medicine and I think it's very important to talk about right now, especially with the times that we're going through. I don't believe it is always necessary for everyone's journey. And I say this because as someone who has practiced sound healing and Reiki and yoga and meditation and so many other things, there's so many ways to tap into consciousness. Now we do have cheat codes like the mushroom, um, you know, like cannabis. These are all things that can help elevate our vibration, um, align us with our higher self, even though there's still shadow work to do on top of that, but it can be done anyway. I've been seeing videos lately where people were releasing trauma that was stored in their hips and that didn't require any medicine and they were crying their eyes out. So how do you feel about that? I a thousand percent agree. Um, it takes me back to when I first started to um, work with psilocybin and I would have those conversations with like friends and my sister and things like that. And it, <clears throat> and I could tell that they were kind of like fascinated. And I always like preface with, I'm not recommending this to you. I'm not telling you, you should do this. I'm just sharing my experience because um, as someone who like mental health is a huge part of the catalyst for my spiritual awakening. And I've had a lot of very deep and traumatic experiences with with mental health and that actually was a part of my awakening as well i i'm not i'm not going to be that person that's like everybody should do this because i don't i don't agree i don't think everybody's built and to do this i don't <laughs> i don't every it's not for everyone and like you said there's so many tools these are all just tools they're medicines they're you know just deep ancestral experiences and we can tap into so many of them. I'll share an example. When I was in Peru, um, we did a breathwork um, experience and that was the first time I ever did like intentional breathwork outside of like Pranayama and, you know, within the yoga practice. And I released, 
Like, I was, like, compulsing. Like, it was, like, I was, like, whoa, this is insane with the breath. And so <laughs> you can definitely go there with, you know, other practices. It's not, it's not necessary. So. So have you ever, um, on a medicine journey, have you ever mm-hmm. aligned this with your sound healing practice at all? And if so, how did you, how did it affect you? Did you notice any differences? Oh, I love that. That is actually something that I've been called to start doing um, here in my home. I haven't, um, I've done it once since I've been, actually, no, I've done it plenty of times. I just wasn't aware at the time. When I first got my first sound bowl, I was microdosing a lot. And this is when I um, first started my spiritual business and entrepreneurship. And so it was a lot of stuff coming up, which I'm sure you know, like, so many traumas come up when you start to like put yourself out there and like believe in your gifts and things like that. And at the time I was microdosing and I started working with the sound bowl. So at the time I was doing it and I didn't realize that I was doing it. Um, and I also had a recent um, microdose experience where I was playing guitar and actually went live. It's actually on my, my page. Um, and it, I was a like, deep emotional cleanse. So I've definitely worked with it um, before. Um, and also during my times in Peru, it actually activated so much of my voice. So I did a lot of singing, a lot of sound healing, um, channeled a lot of music that's coming out soon um, from Peru during those times where I was, you know, on the medicine, coming down from medicine, microdosing, that kind of thing. So, yes. One of the things that I love about sound healing in general and music is getting to that state of ecstasy. So I was reading a book not too long ago. It's called Stealing Fire. And it was talking about how Navy SEALs, they train and have the ability to be able to tap into flow state very easily. So through that and thinking about how we use sound healing and everything that comes along with it and going into that state, that shamanic state, I think about things like drumming, you know, and how in tribes and in ceremony, when you're tapping into that center, like, I don't think people sometimes understand how powerful that can be and that shift that your spirit goes through and how it awakens. Have you ever experienced that before? all the time um even before I started working with instruments and I was just working with my voice it would happen it would happen um honestly when I would dance as well too and that connects it to the music as well too like I would just experience those trance like flow like states and um I didn't know it at the time right because it's so ancestral it's so in our DNA like it's natural and um, now that I reflect back on it, you know, having the awareness that I do now, I'm like, oh, constantly, you know, I'm singing a song and I'm going into a trance. Like, you know, even think about um, one of your favorite songs that you haven't heard in 10 years. And then all of a sudden it comes on and you remember the dance you made to it when you were five. You remembered all the lyrics. Like, it's like it holds that memory, you know, and I think um to sound and like you said with the navy seals as well and they're working with the water energy like it's the same thing those frequencies are like right there like water that flow state the flow of water it's the same thing it's the exact same thing and we're you know what 70 80 percent water and we're on a water planet like it's it just all flows so beautifully and so um yeah i love it it's beautiful 
Yeah, that ability to tap in and activate, that's what I found so fascinating. As someone who has no desire to be in the military ever, I read it because I was so interested in flow state at the time, now that I understand it much better. And not just the ability to make like more straightforward decisions about your life, but it opens up all your different centers. It activates them so that you can not only make those better decisions, but you can start to feel each part of your body, each part you might have emotions blocked and trapped in, it makes them more open all of a sudden and you're more clear. So we're not even just talking about decisions, we're talking about emotions and the way that we move through life. So using that, I'd like to go into you kind of describing what the difference is between entrepreneurship and soulful entrepreneurship. That's beautiful. Um, I would say the difference is the soul part. <laughs> I feel like traditional entrepreneurship um, is about, is rooted in the old ways of, <laughs> of life, you know, where it's, it's hyper-focused on, on the ego. It's hyper-focused on the physical realm, the, the matrix, um, money and profits and how many clients and the numbers and all these things. And not to say that that's not important because it's still business. Like, you still need to be looking at numbers. We, we want to make money, you know. We want to have these experiences. But um, with soulful entrepreneurship, it's rooted in your purpose. It's rooted in your dharma. It's rooted in why you're here um, versus, you know, it being rooted in, okay, what do people want from me? Or what can make me the most money? Or what can make me go viral the quickest? Like, you could run your business that way, um, but is it sustainable? So I would say as well too, um, social entrepreneurship is about sustainability. And I believe that entrepreneurship is the old way, which is about quantity. It's about how quick, it's about, you know, power in control. You know, and it's funny you say that because though we are in such a time where everybody is either claiming or trying to be so free, I have realized lately that Instagram is still kind of a greeting or a greeting. It is a, what am I trying to say? It's a breeding grounds for making that same kind of spirit like that work constantly, follow these specific trends, work all day, work all night and you'll get to where you are. And it's kind of taking away from the fact that we're trying to create more freedom and in that, that's not sticking to those standards, not sticking to every single trend that you see all the time. It's fun to run with the crowd, you know, for fun every now and again. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, where is the freedom in that? If you're always following what someone else is doing, you have to find what works for you. So how have you found through that, you know, being a soulful entrepreneur, but still a part of social media, how have you been able to separate yourself from that? Oh, man. I I feel like I haven't fully. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Like, I feel like if you're on social media, I don't think that that's actually possible where you can separate yourself fully. That's um, real. And <laughs> I'm like, just being honest. And this is from me, you know, two and a half years of doing this. And I... I was that person where it's like, I'm going to take a break. And you know me, like, I'll take a break for a month. Like, I'll just disappear. You won't hear from Farah because I need to sit and I need to, I, I can't be fake. All right, this is, like, if it's connected to your dharma, if it's connected to your purpose, like, it's, you can't. Like, it's going to, you can feel it. It literally, it feels painful 
things in your life will start breaking down. Like it'll, it just won't, it won't, it won't flow. It won't be in alignment. And so I feel like I was constantly doing that, taking breaks, coming back, shifting this offering and then like, okay, I like this. And then, okay, maybe I don't, I'm watching this and maybe I don't. So just that like back and forth and really just being in the energy of curiosity um, and play, which I think it's very difficult to do. That's what it's like, even you saying this, I'm like, in the ideal world, I would love to be detached and be like, oh, I don't care about social media. Like, it's fine. Like, I don't, it doesn't really matter. I don't have to get on like that. I don't care about the trends, but it's like, we do because it's designed for you to do that. Like, it's literally designed for you to be up on the trends and you to free to be looking and scrolling and um, for, you know, those thoughts about you know self-doubt and limiting yourself and your creativity like to get embedded in your brain like I don't I don't think you can avoid it I think what we can do is create boundaries and have tools and the more you learn about yourself and your relationship with social media the more the, the better you can get with like gauging like okay this is harmful for me or here I am scrolling again at four o'clock in the morning, like, okay, time to put the boundary up. Like, I, I feel like it's just, uh, it's like life. It's a journey. Like, it's not going, there's not, I don't think it's ever going to be this thing where it's like, oh, I have a beautiful relationship with social media. It's like the algorithm's changing every five fucking seconds. Things are up and down. So business is unpredictable. The world's unpredictable. Is the the thing everything about to crash tomorrow? We don't know, so it's like it's just mirroring all of the shifts that are happening collectively. So um, I don't think it's possible, and I think someone who says that it is, I think they're lying. (laughs) I do. I I I don't blame you (laughs) (laughs) Um, because it's designed to be like that, and it's a reflection of us as well too. I always um, would. I always love to say that, like, technology is based off the human experience. We are the computer. We are the original computer. Like, everything is designed based off of organic matter. We are the organic matter. And so technology is an extension of that. So if we're collectively going through these shadows and beliefs and all these things coming up and this um, these breakdowns and all these different things within us, it's going to be reflected in social. It's going to it's, that's how it goes. <laughs> you know, I think and- the more we accept it, like, not to say the easier it gets, but like I said before with, you know, initiations, it's not that it get easier, we just learn better tools. Yeah, we definitely need those tools to stay grounded. I, I believe yeah. in decoding the matrix. You also have to realize you're a part of it either way. You just have to find balance within that. And in a perfect world, there would be no social media and we'd all be out in the forest eating berries and living like that. But because like you said, we are the technology, we are the originals. You know, you think about ancient times where they had such advanced technology where they're probably more progressed than us and we don't know it most likely right now, but we're still kind of stuck in that limbo of being too engrossed in it right now because we're still working off of a capitalistic mindset. And I love that you were real about that because most people will say, oh, I'm just so spiritual. And I just, you still are performing in front of a camera. So we're still a part of it. Like it doesn't end. You just have to, like you said, you put up your boundaries, find your balance in that. 
technology is not going away anytime soon. It's going to increase in advance, especially in, in this time. You know, I was scrolling one day and saw one of these, um, these robots that are like people or they're not people. And in my head, I'm laughing, like, did nobody remember iRobot? Like, did we just forget about that? Like, it, they're, they're going I to be sentient beings. Like four days ago. I literally watched Robot. That's all, I was thinking that the whole time in my head. I was like, I have to mention iRobot because I watched it again recently. And I'm like, predictive programming. Like, <laughs> and the scary thing was, it was saying that like these, these AI, like they do not want to be referred to as robots, just like an iRobot. They want to be sentient beings. And I mean, the way that we're in our phones, you're basically almost becoming one, you know, whether it's through advanced technology or your inability to separate from technology and get back out into nature, like you're going to be a part of that system and program to normalize things like AI, believing that they're human beings. And, you know, that's where the soulful part comes in, because if we forget the soul, it'll be very easy to manipulate the body. Absolutely. And um, something else too, that I, I wanted to mention that it's like I always make a joke of it but like I think it's because I've just like gone through that part of my journey of like leaving the matrix I'm like I'm gonna be off grid and both you know technology and all of these things and I'm I think some of us came here to integrate that <laughs> and and like I've just accepted that um and it's just taken off so much weight of just like grief and like Oh, I wish it was like the times where, you know, we were just living off the land and things like that. And I, I think we have roles. I think we have to remember that. Like some people came here to do that, to keep an anchor in that energy of off-gridness. And they are here to do that. And we don't even know who they are because they're off-grid. And exactly, that's the point. They're holding that frequency. And the people who are choosing to be on social media and do entrepreneurship and you know, be in robotics and do all these different things um, and be scientists and study, you know, um, marketing and all these different things. Like, who's to say that's not sacred to, who's to say that that's not actually a part of elevating the consciousness? Who's to say that that's not supposed to be a part of this, you know? Um, because, you know, if we get into the spiritual jargon, like, oh, everything happens for a reason, divine timing, like, everything's happens for a reason. So it's like, it's so interesting because it's like so many different things can contradict our, you know, ourselves. And I've, I caused a lot of myself headaches. I've lost sleepless, had sleepless nights, had anxiety attacks, panic attacks, all kinds of stuff. Just thinking about, oh my God, the state of the world and technology. And it's like, once I, I'm in this, this stage in my life now, just like accepting, like, and then that opens up so much space because when we're in that combative energy, you're, you're contracting <laughs> and that's not the point the point is to accept and to you know integrate these teachings like it's it's for a reason like we're here like I, I I'm one of those people who believes my soul came here and chose like for whatever reason you chose to come during this time and this is what is happening so you know like I'm not trying to completely escape the matrix because you can't it's we are it's a reflection of like it's not a then you're just making it a whole thing of like it being this separate entity like this these bad people the they <laughs> the demons the, the outside for and it's like 
You're making it bigger than what it is. is. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was you. I thought we were okay. (laughs) That brings uh, to mind one of my favorite lyrics, or it comes from a song um, on Lauryn Hill's Unplugged album. She talks about there's a war going outside, but it's not a physical war. It's a war of the mind. And I believe that's what's happening and going on in the world right now. It's that constant fight. We can't fight the fact that there's technology or that there are robots or, you know, that all these things are happening. But what we can control is our own minds and what's going on in them right now. I, too, think sit up all night thinking about what kind of world are my kids going to grow up in? What if everything that's on Black Mirror is really going to happen in real life? It already is. It's the acceptance part. It's the learning to find what works for you. You know, if you want to go off grade in another country, that's absolutely fine. But, you know, that's a whole nother lifestyle that you have to be willing and open to accept. But also there's this world where you can accept that there's going to be technology. Just do not become too much. You have to be. I think there was a long time ago I was studying about Islam. And I think one of the quotes I heard was about Dunya and it was be of the world, not in the world. And being a part of that, you realize, like, don't get sucked in too much by everything else. Realize you are everything. Just like you said, we are consciousness. So we're not too much of this or too much of that. We are everything. And when you stop denying these different parts of yourself, the shadow, the light, you know, the great things that happen to you, the challenges that you have, you're allowed to be like a whole person and also be nothing. And you're not so attached to everything. Detachment is a big part of it. Mm absolutely absolutely and you know that made me think of another uh song lyric i love you connecting the sound because it's like <laughs> it's just a medicine you know um janae Iko, um one of her songs called oblivion um mm. when i'm like really in my like doomsday like end of the world energy i i listen to that song to help me alchemize that energy like to sit with it and be like the world's the fucking trip and and then at the end of it, she says, but I'm ever been a part of it. I may have started it. Like, you are, like, it's you, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we, are, we are a part of this. We're connected. And like you said, the more we accept our role in it, the free, I think that's where the freedom comes, you know? And then at that point, then we realize we wake up from, you know, the, the story of suffering, which is a very real experience. And then we, we alchemize that. We move into, oh, wow, I get to choose. Okay, well, there's this part of, you know, the experience. There's this part, this is, this is, this, 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 all these different choices, all these different realities. And then it's like, okay, well, do I want to be a millionaire solopreneur? Do I want to be a, you know, mom? Do I want to be a... <laughs> I don't know, a plumber. <laughs> Do I want to just say forget everybody? I'm just gonna go. I'm going back to Africa and I'm living with my tribe. Like nothing. Like you will never hear from me again. I don't exist. Um, and I, I think that's a part of the journey. You know, moving through the um, feeling like we don't have a choice and the suffering, which not to negate that, like to say like, oh, suffering isn't real. Yes, it is. Like. People are suffering and dying and it's painful. And those are real experiences. Um, and also there's pockets where you, there's choice as well too. And so um, once you get into that level of consciousness and that state of consciousness, um, yeah, you realize like, oh shit, like 
I'm a part of this. So what's my role? <laughs> and accepting it and being okay with it. I love that. <laughs> I love that so much. Um, so what impact do you hope to have on your time in this world and this current reality? What what do you hope to give back to people or what do you hope to receive? Uh, I'm going to have to journal about this later, but <laughs> in the moment, um, what I hope to share and leave with this world is just inspiring people to it sounds so cliche, but the cliches are real. I love the cliches. The older I get, I'm like, I love cliches. Like, like it's like a box of chocolate. You never know what you're going to get. Like, yes. <laughs> I I love that. I'm like, get that tattooed on me. <laughs> I'm being funny. But um, I would, I say I, the biggest thing I want to leave with the world is I just want to inspire people to go after their childhood dreams. I really believe that that is what I'm here to experience. I feel like a little child. I feel like a little girl. Um, this Leo energy has like first opened my inner child's heart so much. And she's literally like, I want to sing and dance and perform and have fun with my friends and go out and be pretty and put on makeup. I'm like, and I had to move through all of the, the spiritual ego, right? You dismantle the ego from the past, you know, experiences before you awaken, and then you develop your spiritual ego. And it's like, oh, my God, no, like, now I have to lock my hair, and I can't wear makeup, and I got to live off-grid in the middle of nowhere, and, you know, like, no, I'm not wearing shoes anymore. I give up. You know, I'm vegan now. Like, I went through that that phase, and not to negate someone's experience, who, if that is something that resonates with you, um, but for me putting that restraint on myself and my inner child was very detrimental. Um, and I feel like I'm healing through that now. And so that's, that's the biggest thing I want to leave. It's just like, I want to be the embodiment and the, the example of someone who alchemized all the shit I'm supposed to alchemize. And I just do what my inner child wants to do. And she wants to sing and dance and wear makeup and play dress up and have fun with my friends and help people in the moment, however I'm supposed to help them, whether it be financially, whether it be a hug, whether it be Reiki, a song, um, whatever that is, and being okay with that. Um, and that feels so light, and that feels so good um, for me. Um, yeah, I feel like I'm, like, having this, like, moment right now, like, in this moment, I'm having, like, an awakening where I'm, like, wow, like, I'm really okay with that, because that, and I'm proud of myself for being able to express that, because at one point, my spiritual ego didn't feel like that's enough. Mm-hmm. I need to be, I, I've been awakening Peru, now I need to be a Peru, the shaman, doing that, or I need to shave my head, I'm going to be a bo- I'm going to be a monk now, I'm going to be a, a nun, like, I felt like I, like, it, I had to go, like, that rabbit hole, but like the the own the way that we've always seen it, you know, the way that we've always the story of the awakened person in that path, where it's like, okay, they become a preacher, or they become a nun, or they become a shaman, or they become like it's like very traditional roles that we that's always known for people who take their spiritual life seriously. 
Um, but we're in this world now where it's like, it does, there's, that's not a thing. Like, it doesn't actually have to look like that if that's not what, you know, resonates with you and your soul. Um, so yeah, I want to be that example. Well, I'm sure you will be not only a great example and an inspiration, but also a conduit for that happening and that awakening, because there is a continuing shift going on right now that I've seen so many people going through. And in doing that and seeing that, I hope that they can encounter more spirits like yours so that they can recognize themselves and figure out how to move into their next steps and access that inner child again and listen to that playful little person who does not care about what's going on in the outside world, who just simply wants to enjoy life just as it is. So I want to thank you, Farah, for being with us here today, for sharing your wisdom. I'm so happy we got to talk a little bit of music because I know that's something we both hold dear to our hearts. And I will make sure to link all of Farah's information, her YouTube channel, her amazing music, and her Instagram in the show notes so you know how to find her. And thank you again, Farah, for being here today. I really appreciate you in this space, and I cannot wait for more people to find you. Thank you so much. It's such an honor, and I'm so grateful that um, you thought of me to be a part of this beautiful project, this beautiful offering that um, you are sharing with the world. So thank you. Of course. Well, this has been the Tailored Healing Collective podcast. Until next time, remember to let love lead the way. Peace. so powerful and intricate